Welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 102, and we are going to be talking about mindful education. I'm Sophia. I'm GC13. And I'm an emotional mess. How are you guys doing today? Same. Same. I, I just yeah. I, I haven't stopped crying since the episode. I'm still crying. Yeah. Just... It's, it's just been a heavy stream of tears mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. from my eye sockets. Like, it's amazing how the feels got to me so much, and it wasn't even a Pearl episode. Like, it, wow, Steven Universe is really stepping up its game. You know, it's it's really tough for me, being the minority opinion on this episode. I watch it, <laughs> and like, eh. Oh my god, GC! like, holy cow, this was such a tremendous episode, and I don't really like it that much. Jeez, you know it's why, though? It's you know why? where it's like, you gotta have that kind of emotional baggage for it to yeah. resonate. Yeah, I like to imagine, uh, as the show is right now, uh... I am the ethos, Sophia is the pathos, and GC is the logos. And there was no lore in this episode. Well, no, there was a tiny bit. Okay, no I forget which what is what. Logos ethos is, is logic. Uh-huh. Ethos, pathos is passion and emotion and stuff. Ethos is... I ethos. Is. It's credibility. It's like credibility, right? Well, geez, that's not me. Never mind. <laughs> Nah, don't don't do that. No. Um, all I, I remember think it's just is logos, English, pathos, yeah. pathos. Yeah, I'd say so because <laughs> this this was art. This was art. Oh my god! Yes, this absolutely. is where the show became something more than a cartoon. I mean, it had so before. Hunter's getting his but, Jamie on. Ugh, I'm in the drama zone, you guys. You don't even know. This episode ugh. was so good. Like, I honestly, I watched it and I was sobbing. And um, and I don't usually cry in Steven Universe episodes. Like, sometimes I'll get a little teary-eyed. But it's always out of, like, empathy. Like, I was, I feel sad for the characters. But this time it was out of just, like, a personal attack. Yeah, no, this this hit home <laughs> so close. I felt so like just, the, just Rebecca Sugar and her whole team and the guest animator, who I forgot the name of, just like all collectively came together to just punch me in the face. And I said, thank you. Yeah, I think you can go back and look at my first reaction was, uh, it was something along the lines of, I swear to God, Sugar's spying on me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. now if I can throw cold water on you guys just for a second here. Ethos, <laughs> Take out the spray bottle. Um, according to Wikipedia... Um, is the guiding is character like beliefs or ideals? Oh, um. Okay, it's been a while since I've taken eleventh grade English, so give yeah. me a break, GC. I, I, uh, I just, I just, hey, I just, hey, I, we all have access to the same Wikipedia. This ain't Buddy's book, you know. We're allowed to look things up on the internet. I just remember that in English class there was a poster where the logos was Spock. The pathos was a puppy, and the ethos was Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. What? I I mean, I, I, Atticus <laughs> I, Finch I, from The Mock... Well, I guess... Hmm. Eth- ethics, I guess? That's where we get the word It's been ethics. even longer since I've read To Kill a Mockingbird. This is worse, Hunter. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, in the words of Amethyst, this, this was a very good piece of Meat Morp. <laughs> I don't recall Amethyst ever complimenting Meat Morp. D- did I say Amethyst? Yes, you did. Gosh, diggity darn, Hunter! You're a mess! Um. Podamorist. Lapis and Peridot were the Meat Morp. Podamorin. 
Yes. Um, Peridices. I will say this, you know, if I'm going to say good things about this episode, I really liked the very undertale-ish way that first Ruby and then Steven and Connie visibly showed their calming down during the song. It, it was it was very frisk. They yeah. made the frisk face. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it was all played through like, oh my god, the song was so amazing. Like, I, I, have, wanna, I have I have played the song about a hundred times now. Same. I've I, just been like my housemates out for the weekend, and I've just been like singing it like while doing the dishes and everywhere all the time because I'm not yeah. self conscious about mm. it when I'm alone. And um, <laughs> so you're singing like no one's listening. Exactly. Well, the cat, but. Um, Cats don't count. They don't dance either. <laughs> really, really, they can't count. I, you, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's like the song, like the kind of, I remember hearing it at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and being absolutely, like, completely disinterested in it. Like, I did not care for yeah. that song. I'm like, why is it so repetitive? Like, what, I don't get it. And then, you know, it was played in the episode and I just, like, was dying. And I think, like, the repetition was like the best thing about this song because it just it well because feels... so much is changing about the imagery even though the words are staying very similar no it's not that it's that like that is what it feels like almost to be in a panic or anxiety attack like you were just telling yeah. yourself it's okay it's okay it's okay i'm here i'm here i'm here like you're just saying it over and over again because that's all your brain can kind of do and having it in this song being said in that repetitive way but kind of in a soothing way that's like a big part of why just it, it, it like was a key to a lock in my brain and it was absolutely fantastic I really like how Garnet started the song out, though. Both the the way Estelle sang the lyrics and just everything about that scene, the visuals, the lyrics, and the music came together to portray Garnet as very powerful in a, I want to say, almost mystical sense. You know, what with the position she was sitting and positioning her hands in. I agree. Very wise. Well, I think it was like... Garnet, like, what what that song did was basically show I am a still, you know, a, I was going to say human being, but I'm still, like, a person capable of complicated emotions and inner conflict and stuff like that. And, um, and this is how I have this emotional maturity. Like, this is how I cope with, you know, those thoughts. Like, those thoughts will happen to everyone and just having the right coping mechanisms and understanding that they're not wrong and that you need to address them is what helps Garnet be so emotionally mature and together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did think it was kind of both funny and sad how Ruby chases off after one issue and just completely flies off the handle while Sapphire sits there, just, she can see the future, overwhelmed by everything, yeah. paralyzed even. Yeah, it's it's it does a really good job of representing like both sides of how things can just sort of get out of hand. Yeah, and it's like some people will really obsess over the little things, like they'll really like how they will cope with it. It'll either be with anger or with panic, and so Ruby just really obsessed over that one thing and just was so mad at at thought. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it could be it could be like what Garnet was saying, what someone said. So imagine someone insulted them on Fusion, and Ruby just like flipped out and. You know, like, Sapphire was just surrounded by the self-doubt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and um, going going back to, uh, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, Sophia. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, just well, going back. I would just talk, like, for 30 minutes. <laughs> but going back to, um, uh, what was it, uh, Motel? 
Keystone, 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 Keystone Motel of how it, it was exactly like how we saw it. Ruby getting extremely furious and not being able to see clearly through her anger. And Sapphire trying to be the bigger person, but just sort of saying, it's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. We're just going to move on. When it really wasn't. And it was just eating her up inside. Yeah, and, and it's like almost the same as what Stephen and Connie did. Connie was very open about how much it was hurting her. Stephen was doing a very good job of shoving it down. And yeah. um, and also, like, it kind of reminded me of back in uh, Beach City Drift, like, just a couple episodes ago with Stevani. <laughs> like, how Stephen was just so mad at Kevin. Like, he let those thoughts, like, overcome him. And, like, he couldn't let himself get over it and realize that it's not worth letting them affect him. Stevani is currently very, very prone to hallucination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, like... Yeah, what Garney was saying, how it's like, it is like a physical characteristic of fusions when they are having inner turmoil to literally hallucinate, to see things that aren't there. And I think that's kind of like, that explains uh, Stevani in the first- uh, Alone Together and Beat City Drift. Beat City Drift, like that whole kind of being consumed by panic. It's not a metaphor. They are literally seeing that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think like people are saying that the whole imagery during the song was either Steven, like his telekinesis, or like Garnet taking advantage of their ability to see things that aren't there, essentially. Mm. I don't know. It could be either or, like trying to explain. I think it was more like a mixture of a metaphor and a mixture of a hallucination. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting if it if they were literally seeing that, because the gems are kind of an inherently musical species, although apparently they do culturally tamp down on that. Hmm. Yeah, I think, like, gems, yeah, inherently, like, musical, like, the the, the big nuke that um home, the diamonds dropped on Earth was a note or a song or a sound, is, like, what Stephen was saying, so that could definitely mm-hmm. be part of it. Gems just are singing all the time. Like, I've kind of noticed that when Greg sings, he's always got an instrument with him. Like, it's always an instrument with a gem sing. They got their, their whole background music going on. So either other characters can hear that background music or not. We don't know, but... Hmm. But I never thought of the song as... Or the imagery associated with that song as being something that the characters saw. But that is interesting to ponder about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I figured... Well, fusions themselves are a walking metaphor for relationships themselves. So we can't... Mm-hmm. We, we, can, we can obviously assume safely that... Yes, these were metaphors, but on the but also, but also, uh, it's it's uncharted territory of, of like fusions, like two completely different minds rattling about in one's head are bound to cause some new things to happen that don't quite make sense. Yeah, and I think like I I, I swear I've said this before, but like a fusion is not only a relationship that could be romantic or platonic; it is also uh metaphors for a whole bunch of different things for either like conflict or in the case of Sivani it's a metaphor for puberty and growing up Mm -hmm. and like a fusion could be so many different things but I think like it comes down to it is a writing tool that was made Mm -hmm. very just cleverly by the crew and Mm -hmm. um it turned like and a lot of a lot of shows have two people combining into one as like a trope but like the fusion in steven universe just takes every possible path with sending messages and like creating like beings from that trope and so it's it's not even like a trope anymore it's so many things that 
you can't call it that. I agree. I agree. Uh, this this whole like the it's There's it's really so- hard. It's it's really hard to get into this without just going into complex like just rambling off different uh, psychological terms and just going full on into depth and just forgetting completely about the episode and just talking about uh, this one song, the emotions that are felt during it, the the emotions trying to be explained through it and communicated. But overall, uh, I, I, uh, it's good. Uh, (laughs) If you want to take it down to a less metaphorical level, I do have uh, an observation and, and then a, I think a good speculation over the future of the series. First, the observation that plenty of people saw Stefani equals Yoshi. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty cool. It was so cute. Also, Stefani's costume in this episode is so cute. Yes, yes. It's so I mean, great. People have wanted to see her with the Connie sword fighting outfit, and I think, I mean, she's, she's showing a yellow diamond. That can't be an accident. Is she? I mean, oh, they're yeah, teasing with the us star, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're teasing us now. Oh, that. Oh. I, I don't. portray the crystal gems. He's going to do Connie. it. They're going to they're gonna take Cookie Cat hostage. And it's going to. So, but speculation about the rest of the series. Um, we're seeing a lot more Stevani. Stevani's doing combat training on her own now. Do you think we'll be seeing. A lot more Stevani in the future. Yes, you do. I think we're gonna Good. see. We're. De- I think we're definitely gonna see like more than we have, uh, just on basis of like she's coming into her own. She's really learning more. She's having some combat abilities, and that's really the only way that Connie can lend herself through combat. But I don't think we're gonna see too too much. I think we're gonna see it like in the same way that we see Steven Shield. Like, it just becomes something that they naturally do when relevant. Yeah. Like, these growing episodes aren't, like, a bookmark of, okay, this is how the series is going to go from now on. I think they're just little growing periods where... Because we've had episodes based entirely around Steven Shield, but now it just sort of shows up. I think it's going to be the mm-hmm. same thing with Stevani. Uh, can you imagine the episode where the Maheshwarans finally meet Stevani? <laughs> I'm hype. That's gonna be crazy. <laughs> oh my god! I have like I got a whole whole page of notes right here. Oh, I I in my um, little in my little notebook I also have a couple pages. A couple pages. Wow. Oh well, well, no, it's a tiny it's a tiny notebook. It's about like it fits in the palm of your hand. Oh okay. Yeah, it's just a so small notepad. One. Yeah, a notepad. It's it's cute. It's got a it's got a Boston Terrier with sunglasses on it. Yeah, and I got like one one little thing that I really noted down. Some people were kind of bringing up the butterflies in Sirius Steven, but I haven't been satisfied with how much like like that whole scene is like now foreshadowing. Like I don't know if they did it on purpose at the time or if they kind of went back and they're like, hey, we can pull this into a, a current episode. But like Steven is swarmed by butterflies and then he's screaming and then Garnet comes up and she kind of flicks him off and she's like, they're just butterflies, Steven. Like, they're just <gasps> thoughts, Steven. And no! Then- You're breaking my mind! And then and then Steven's like, they looked a lot bigger when they were on my eyeball. <laughs> and then like, see, they, they were a lot bigger when they were swarming around me. And it's like that kind of, 
Yeah. Oh, like, just this oh, this foreshadowing of Stephen. Like, yeah, these problems were a lot bigger when they were just in my head, but now that they're out loud and people are helping me about it, it's a much lot less big of a deal. And now that we're working past it, oh my God, Sophia! Yeah, and it was like, I remember, so someone just did like some dumb post where it's like, okay, just remember they're just thoughts, and then they did the screen cap of Stephen just screaming with butterflies <laughs> around him. And I feel that too, like, I feel like, yeah, they're just thoughts, and then just completely let them overwhelm me. But then, um, but then I like started thinking, I'm like, that scene is complete foreshadowing. <laughs> like, what the heck? And I don't know if like so again that's our that's our bit of depth. Let me let me let me bring us back to the surface with the call back to the message. Hold the phone. Oh. Now give the phone to me. That was cute. That was Yeah, I, that was nice Garnet using that line. I can see that going on some t shirts. Was Garnet even there when Steven said that? Um Garnet probably knew he would say that. <laughs> dun dun dun. Either or- that or she just has really good hearing. <laughs> Either that or, like, it's a good line. Like, maybe Garnet just, in her infinite knowledge, managed to kind of, like, yeah, that's a good line. I'm gonna say that line. <laughs> maybe Steven got it from Garnet to begin with. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Steven just says that line over and over again because he's just not that funny. <laughs> like, he yeah. was really proud. Or he's like, he said it to the gems and it's like, Greg hasn't heard this joke yet. I, I can say it again. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he does the... Maybe he apologizes for using the same pun twice, like at least twice a week now, ever since <laughs> Steven's lion. Steven is actually the most obnoxious person ever. We just only see him at his best. <laughs> we only see him say the joke once. We don't hear the yeah. other 50 times. Yeah, like all the gyms in the background are just like looking like, yeah, yeah, we we get it. You, We've heard this like a billion times now. Yeah, ever <laughs> since Alone at Sea, he always says, Hey! Anytime someone says even <laughs> approximately funny, uh, Stephen's a douche. That's what we've. That's what we're coming away from this episode. This lovely, <laughs> artful episode, and we're coming off, away from it knowing, yeah, Stephen. Stephen, he's a huge douche. He's, he, it's not that he's a douche. It's just that you know he's not as funny as he thinks he is. <laughs> but oh, oh my Steven. god, Stephen! How like when they were falling, and he was just like, oh. And like how his That was inner- when I lost it. That yeah. was when I lost I just it broke like down. on six different times in this episode and then while rewatching it, it was uh, <laughs> not pretty. How can how can you lose it at that moment? Because at that moment all I'm thinking is, Okay, Steven, you picked a really bad time to have an emotional breakdown. Well sometimes you can't pick. Yeah, the the entire episode had been like slowly just beating me down and like, Alright, Hunter, you're you're now in an emotional state where you're ready to cry. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not really the breakdown itself. It's how it's manifesting. He doesn't seem to have any urgency to the fact that he he and his friend are plummeting to their deaths. It's rather than saying, it's like it's not like, oh, I wish I could save us. It's oh, why what? do I it's, feel it's, this bad? It's, it's like how it was in the song. It's all consuming. Well, yeah, and like that's the thing. Um, when you bottle things up, you can't choose when it bursts like once it bursts you are screwed like instead of just just... having all these conflicts and addressing them when it's a good time it's just you bottle them up and it comes out and you just you you are not in control of that i'm just it would have it would have been so much better if rather than just talking about how bad he felt if he had been more Sink, you, you know, I can't save us, and that's making me feel even worse. You know, just a little bit of recognition that you're going to die if you don't get yourself together. 
Well, yeah, true. And I mean, like, they had just fallen. So I imagine, like, Steven, it didn't quite register in his brain, like, oh, yeah, we are eventually going to run out of Sky. But, yeah, yeah I mean, the, like... The most important thing in Steven's head at that point was not the fall. It was not the drop at the end of the fall. It was not Connie. It was this overwhelming emotion he was feeling that had been rotting and festering inside him for quite a while. Yeah, and he was just like, he was trying to shove it back down, which was consuming all of his energy. So, like, Mm -hmm. he couldn't Mm -hmm. say, like, this is something that is, it's okay to think about, it's okay, I'm going to be okay, as long as I don't die when the ground comes to say hi. Um, that rhymed. (laughs) So... Talking about feeling bad, can we talk about the malevolent depiction of Rose that Stephen conjured up? Oh my okay, God. okay. Everybody has a different um, what's the word I'm looking for? Everyone has a different. Everyone thinks something differently about what that head means. Everybody interpretation. Everybody has a different interpretation about what that head means. What What do you think, Sophia? I think um, that head basically means that. Rose is the biggest underlying conflict in Stephen's whole sense of identity. It's going it's the biggest kind of problem he has in his personality and the way he thinks about the world, and it's gonna be the biggest problem to fix. Like no one's Bismuth isn't gonna just be able to come in and say it's okay to not be Rose for Stephen to not for that not to be a problem anymore. Like it is going to be a lot of just self-reflection and healing from you know, other people and like for the gems to stop expecting him to be like Rose for that problem to go away. And like that whole, all of Steven's butterflies are like the biggest ones are from his conflict about his mom. That, that right there, I feel is the best way to put it of that. A lot of people have been getting really specific of, Oh, it's because he's, he doesn't want to disappoint his mother or, Oh, it's because uh he's really mad at his mother for doing all this crap stuff. Or it's, oh, he, he's disappointed yeah, like he's never going to live up like, to what his mother's going to be. When really the best way to put it is just Rose, the mere fact that she is, that she was, and that she is no longer is really the biggest issue with Steven right now. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why her head comes up. But yeah. again, it's, it's her facial expression that gets me and if... If this were around the time of Stephen vs. Samethyst, I'd be like, yeah, he probably pictured her looking like that because he's afraid he's not living up to her legacy. But, you know, after after Earthlings, or after Bismuth, after Earthlings, after Bubbled, I think her facial expression is kind of this fearful realization that, you know, she may not be as good as everybody wants him to believe she was. Yeah, and I think, like, that is definitely a big facet of all of his conflict about Rose. And I think, like, the expression, really, when I saw it, I kind of heard, like, Rose is basically, or, well, Stephen is basically projecting onto Rose. Um, He is never going to be able to separate his identity from her. And I think, like, that's a big thing that a lot of kids growing up will feel, especially if their parents have, like, a big legacy and people around them are always talking about their parents. Like, they have a really big problem separating who they are from who their parents are, even if they love their parents, even if they don't hate them, even if they had good parents or whatever, like it is 
it is it's a hard thing to do for a kid to separate who they are versus who their parents are because you can't ignore the fact that your parents are part of you genetically and how they raised you is going to affect you and um you can't ignore that but you also can't let it define who you are because you still are your own individual with your own consciousness and Stephen has what kind of saddens me is that Stephen has gone from saying Rose gave up her physical form to become me which is essentially like saying my mom died in childbirth to Rose turned into me. He feels like he is now a new embodiment of Rose and he needs to live up to being this Rose 2.0 instead of just being I am Steven, child of Rose, but not Rose. And like how he's kind of viewing that differently is breaking my heart. Yeah, it's it's a in in the in the words of Steven Floats, oh man, those feelings are complicated. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yes, they <sighs> are. Like that's there's just such a level of complexity of, bam, I am supposed to live up to everything my mother did. Bam, my mother also gave up everything to basically make me. Bam, I'm, I'm also a part of my mother. And bam, everybody around me misses and loved my mother so very much. And bam, I'm now here and she isn't. And bam, my mom committed murder. Yeah, there are all these people who want to murder me because of things my mother did thousands of years ago. <sighs> it's, yeah. it's almost, like, it almost makes me tired thinking about it. Yeah, and then, like, you kind of understand, like, that is how Steven feels. Like, he's just, he doesn't want to think about it. It just makes him tired, it makes him confused, it makes him scared. And, like, the whole thing is not thinking about it while, you know, not thinking about it when it's not really the best time is okay. Like, you know, when you're falling from the sky, maybe it might not be the best time to start thinking about your emotional conflicts. But <laughs> if you never think about it, if you never address these problems... They're going to come up when you do not want them to come up. Steven needs to count his lucky stars that he ran a hollow pearl through in training and not a quartz gem in an actual fight. Otherwise, Ugh. you know, that would be end of the series material right there. Yeah, oh like boy. he's still, you know, learning and training and has the gems to help him out if he ever does screw up. Like, you know, walking backwards off of a sky arena, which was kind of funny when Garnet said they've got this. And then like a couple seconds later, they fall off. Almost to their but, deaths. But they did get this. They did have this. They got this. They did. True. They did. Now, I I know that you, Sophia, have a, a very personal stake in this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I personally related a whole lot to a, a lot of it. Like, a lot of it I related to from different points of my life and of relationships but definitely what hit me the most was Steven at the end of, at the beginning of the summer, I felt, I felt like that was me. That was just choosing to ignore and just be like, it's fine with all the issues that were going on. And it was self-destructive. It was not helpful. Uh, it pushed the people that I cared about away from me. And I feel like this very, very, very well captures how that feels like when you find when it finally all comes to a head and you're put in this overwhelming situation where the weight of the world is on your shoulder on your yeah. shoulders yeah and oh god and i mean uh, i really hate to break up that very serious tone but someone really needs to draw that this is fine comic but with steven surrounded by butterflies 
<laughs> or you know, images of his mother killing a diamond and Jesus, Jesus. floating through space. Like every every butterfly is like you, it's a little window a, into a screen cap of that. <laughs> yeah, Bismuth with a sword through her. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of moments worth framing in this show. No, what I need is a. I, what I need is an. Mm, what one of those? Mm, what you say? Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Why? I just watched the Dear Persian <sighs> again today. It's the best. You know they did one for the door control that Luke shoots in A New Hope. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, if if the door mm. control has it. Why doesn't Bismuth? I I mean, I feel like we're all a little more emotionally invested in Bismuth than anyone ever was in the door in the, the, the doorman. Well, it's just a control panel. I mean It's not even the first one he shot. I don't know, man. Luke just hates doors. He just, he, I I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Doors they, they keep me from going places when they're oh, yeah. locked. Um, uh, so, so we we spent all this time. We haven't talked about Jeff yet. I just want to say I think that was mostly his fault. Bumping into Connie in a totally empty hallway. Yeah. Okay. Like, what's up with that? Come on, Jeff. You gotta. Well, I think like it is there, the first there are day. Easier of ways to let a girl know that you think she's cute. No, but like I think like it's August in the like it. Yeah, that's we we know from Buddy's book that school is just starting. Yeah, school is just starting. So, I mean, obviously these kids are still kind of getting used to school or a little nervous or a little trying to figure out, you know, everything yeah. going on. And plus, what, what grade is that? School. Seventh grade. Yeah. yeah still they, I think they'd school. still be in junior high. Yeah, junior high. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's like a puny little sixth grader and like Connie just, you know, flipped him on his head. Yeah. But I, I'm also kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that like all of Con- Connie's huge conflict was, um, just because she accidentally flipped someone, like it could have been, she just got yeah. mad and she got carried away and like completely beat someone up. Yeah, but she just flipped yeah. When over. she said she, when she said she beat him up, that's what I thought. Uh, there's there's a really good comic on uh, the subreddit I saw. It was Stephen like crying and listing off this large laundry list of uh, I I poofed Bismuth. Uh, I sent <laughs> I sent Ru- I sent the ruby out into space. Uh, I let Jasper get corrupted. I'm never going to live up to my mother. And then Connie comes up. No, but Steven, I flipped somebody and felt bad about it. And then, wee, everything's fine again. Yeah, I think they kind of missed an opportunity with Connie and Jeff, really. Because, I mean, that happened because she is training to be a weapon. Yeah. Like, that. that's, that's the whole... And then she's like, oh, no, it's okay. I didn't hurt him that bad, and he's fine with it, and I'm going to go right back to becoming a killer. Yay! And meanwhile, Steven's problem is that he, too, is training to become a weapon because he kind of has to. Otherwise, people are going to kill him. Yeah, and I mean, and like, it's, like, it's I not... I just think they missed a chance. Yeah, and it's not to say, like, some people's problems are bigger than others in that way. Like, if your problem's like, are smaller or not as bad, then, you know, they're not valid. And I mean, like, obviously it is valid, but, like, I feel like it was just a little bit too understated. Like, it was too small. Like, if, obviously, if Connie had, like, really beat someone up, like, it wouldn't have been as bad as the baggage that Steven has to deal with, but it would have been, like, understandable why she was that upset. 
And I think, like, yeah. the fact that she just accidentally flipped someone once and then ran off, like, that's, it's it's a reason to feel bad, but, like, like when you immediately put all of Steven's baggage right after that, it's, like, you know, a little bit, not not that well. Again, in, in, Connie, in Connie's case, it would be better for her if she had gotten mad and beaten somebody up, because then she can just be like, okay... I feel bad about what I did. I apologized. Everything's fine. We can move on with our lives. But again, with Jeff, that happened because of her training. And she resolves that and happily goes back to the thing that caused the problem in the first place. Yeah, like yeah. no issue there. There's no issue. There's no like, um, maybe I should tone it back a bit and start looking at my more human side instead of becoming a mindless uh, fighting machine. As was the problem in, um, uh, what was the episode called? Where with the... Sworn to the Sword? Yeah, Sworn to the Sword. Um... Maybe let's maybe touch on that a little bit, but no. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, it could also be, like, a big indicator that Connie is very on edge all the time for whatever reason, and that could be something to address, like, her overall anxiety and what's going on there. But also, like, I would have liked it if she had really been a little bit too brutal and Jeff wouldn't have forgiven her right away. It really had to be something yeah. that she really had to apologize for, like, something that had to be worked on over time and you couldn't can't just, like say you're sorry and it's going to be all better again. Like, it could have been a little bit of a reflection of what Steven has to deal with. It's just a little too saccharine sweet. Yeah. It's like, I just feel like Connie's conflict is, like, too one time for this episode. Like, it's just, it, it, it happened and it was done in the episode, and I would have liked it for it to have been something that was more overarching, because feeling like it's just a conflict for an episode feels like mm -hmm. it, it has Connie not being as quite as three-dimensional as Steven is with his conflict. Well, the whole point of the episode is that it's resolved once you start, you know, looking at it like that and addressing it. And I just think that that was a waste of this particular conflict. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, this is a major change to her character that she's undergoing that caused her to do a bad and, you know, oh, no, I talked about it. It's fine now. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah we're all I mean, good. Like, yeah. If there had been a lot of times where Connie had been upset by those little things and how those little things got to her so much and we really saw that happening, then it would have really been like, yeah, she needs to start addressing these problems. She needs to start saying sorry and she needs to start like owning up to when she does that kind of thing instead of pushing it all down. That would have been like a really interesting thing to see. But we haven't seen Connie really behave like this. Like as far as we know, this might be the first time she's ever felt like that kind of conflict and like bottled it or bottled it up in the first yeah. place like for the first time so so not perfect but still amazing still absolutely a work of art that destroyed uh, yeah at like that does seem to be the art. consensus opinion okay mm -hmm. um i think uh since we've been going on for quite a, for quite a bit uh uh, Sophia, do you want, because I, I'm sure I, I still have more in my notes we haven't covered. You want to just, like, go through the notes, make sure we get everything? Um, yeah, I'm just gonna go chronologically, because I wrote them down as I was watching the episode. Okay. Me too. Um, why didn't Steven shapeshift his hair away? Why did it have to be a wig cap? That was a thought of mine. Um, oh, I love- Wait, what? <laughs> I had my own thought about that. You think that if she hasn't noticed it, why doesn't he just take the wig cap off? And try again later, but I guess he's more worried about Connie. Yeah. Uh, you too. Connie, I'm You bald. too. Every time I every time I watch the episode, I'm thinking of why didn't he save the joke until later? I guess he's too empathetic for that. Yeah, because I remember seeing uh 
a still, like a, a, a screen cap of this episode before I had watched it with Stephen being bald. And I'm like, oh, he must have shapeshifted his hair away. And um, he didn't. He got he bought a wig cap, wasting his dad's finite money again. Um, I don't think I don't see how you could get a wig cap to keep such big hair down. Yeah, exactly. Like hair. Yeah. Like no, no, Stephen's no. I've tried. It that doesn't work. And curly. Yeah. It does not work like that. You need to like bobby pin that stuff down with like an entire package. Yeah, and you need to okay. like use makeup to like smooth the line between the wig, and it's like it's super complicated. Yeah, could have just shape shifted. Should have just shape shifted. But um, another thing that I just absolutely loved was the fusion dance, not only of Steven and Connie, but of the Hollow Pearls. Like they, oh, had, that was the great. Pearls that was, was great. amazing. How like Pearl can just summon a bigger Pearl. Like they had to do like an adorable little robot fusion dance. And then they became just a bigger pearl. And um mm-hmm, well. and then Steven and Connie's fusion dance, like their lame little dancing <laughs> was yeah. just precious. I, I do like though the the little detail of how seamless it's becoming for Steven and Connie to fuse. Mm-hmm. Like how it how it's Just like Garnet. Just like Garnet. <laughs> of how it's uh, they're made of love. Yeah, and I think like when you do it, when you when you last, if you fused recently, it's easier to fuse again, because like you already kind of have your form, your forms have been synchronized, and like if it's been a while, you have to be a little bit more, like mindful with your dance. I don't know. That's my kind of personal little theory that I just came up with right now. Um, okay, Sophia's headcanon, people. (laughs) Absolute truth. No one can object to this. So, uh, GC. You probably know this. Who was the name of the guest animator that was hyped up by the crew universe? Because I can't remember, and I really want to pay um, respects to them because the animation in this episode is absolutely gorgeous. I agree. Like, so okay, hold on. I'll just make Jesse do the research for uh, me. Let's see here. Takafumi Hori? That probably right. butchered it, but that's yeah. That's Takafumi the, that's the Hori is is how it's spelled. Yes. Well, um, props to them. They made an absolutely incredible. They well, they contributed to making an absolutely incredible episode, and um, I really, I really appreciate it because I just Stevani fighting was beautiful. Um, the little oh, I kind agree. of like the way like Stephen and Connie and um, Ruby and Sapphire, their animation was a little bit stylized, like a little bit more cartoonish, sort of, and how it was like a little bit more jumpy in the memory or in the like the hallucination of the song or whatever i really like that so that's amazing apparently this apparently this animator has done work on little witch academia I'm, oh! I'm on their tumblr account right now yeah like this is a animator who's worked on a lot of very uh space patrol luluco okay oh kill la kill oh sweet <laughs> So this person's been around, and now Steven Universe as well. Yeah, and I, I like. I'm always a huge fan of animators and animation. So, yeah. Um, another thing, I'm very glad that this wasn't in the summer of Steven because I do want to. De- I want to dedicate all of my attention to it. That was something. Uh, Yoshi. Yoshi, that that is actually a note on the bottom here. Um, oh, something that I really, uh, really liked about the song was how when Garnet sang, it was you, like you, I might lose you, all that kind of stuff. And then when uh, Stevani sang, they were saying more like um, me. It like completely changed yeah. the point of view and it kind of changed the meaning of the lyrics. Like um, I'm here changes. Like it changes from Stephen and Connie supporting themselves to kind of 
Stephen and Connie and Stevani kind of realizing that I am here, I am real, and those thoughts are not. And those thoughts are, they can't hurt me. And I, and they, they can hurt me, but, um, I need to, to, to not let them hurt me. I need to, like, address them kind of like that and to realize I am here. And how that is also, like, a kind of comfort thought that people will use sometimes. And, um, I might lose me. I might lose you. Like, I might lose someone that I care about to their own thoughts and, um, like, emotional stuff. And I might lose myself, essentially. So that was something that I really liked. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. yeah, that was, that's all my notes. Okay. All right. What do you have? Um, um, honestly, now that I'm looking at them, I think I was just, like, in an emotional state of wreckage. <laughs> and, uh, I think all of these notes are about, like, the song and relationships. Um, I'll try and summarize. Um, I wrote down the, I wrote down a quote that I like to use. Uh, it's a little, well... Not quite a quote. It's something my friend told me uh, at the beginning of the summer when I was going through things. And recently I have been disappointed and learned it is a it is an amalgamation of a quote from a John Green novel, which disappoints me. But it's some emotions demand to be felt, which I feel holds true in this episode, uh, giving giving weight to how when you when you bottle everything up and you 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 pretend everything's all right it isn't you everything's okay on the surface and everything's okay for the people around you but it when it comes out it comes out at full force and you hurt people around you um da -da -da, da -da -da, da -da. i wrote down it's okay to think about how awful you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like your feelings aren't your enemy like they are yeah. they're there for mm. a reason and they're there to keep you alive and to have you know to like experience life and they're not yeah there are no bad you. emotions there yeah, are no bad emotions like it Just may bad. feel bad but that's okay yeah. but you're supposed to feel bad when you do bad like mm -hmm. if you didn't feel bad you're probably a bad person I don't know if that's okay to say. Like, like there's people yeah. who don't feel the proper emotions when stuff happens, and they're called they have antisocial personality disorder. So yeah, yeah, those are those are people with actual issues and disorders and problems. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I like the quote: "If one of you is falling apart, the fusion will as well." I think it's a perfect, a perfect way to put relationships as a whole. That. If one of you isn't fine, both of you as an entity isn't fine. Like mm -hmm. the two of you to like as a whole well, of that really togetherness. goes for it goes for anything, not just relationships, or just yeah, friendships. That's any sort of, of team. Any any sort of team is if one of you isn't okay, the whole isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like in a yeah. relationship, it's a two way street, and if one way is uh not all uh, in the best shape, like it, you're both of you are gonna feel it, and your relationship as a whole is going to suffer. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what I really liked, I I think what I liked the most, I'll go ahead and say that the most was the representation of it wasn't representing someone dealing with feeling bad about something that wasn't that big of a deal. 
It wasn't dealing with somebody not feeling bad about something that was a big deal. It was something that's very rarely touched upon of someone feeling horrible for doing something actually legitimately horrible. Of Steven, in Steven's case? In Steven's case, not not in Connie's case. Well, I mean, Connie, Connie, Connie screwed up. Like, Connie really did screw up. Like, yeah, oh, like, we can't even say that's Connie's fault. That was yeah, all instinct. She yeah. didn't even think about it. Yeah, it was all instinct, but she ran away. She didn't know how to face her issues, and she just ran away. Yeah, she did run away, so that was... Yeah, so I feel... and It, it feels kind of weird to say it, but yes, we do need to recognize Connie screwed up. She did, and she feels horrible for it, but you can't really say it's all fine, everything's okay, don't worry about it, because she did need to act. She needed to act on it. She needed to make things right. And do everything in her power to, in this case, apologize. Which I feel so good about. Yeah. The fact, yeah, the fact that they they weren't just no, you're a main character, and the fans love you. What you did was whatever. But, and even more so for Stephen, of that, yeah, Stephen has done some things. Sure, he was in pos- he was in positions where he would have been compromised. Otherwise, he was in situations that hard decisions had to be made. All that aside, bottom line, whether or not it's justifi whether or not it's justifiable, which I believe it is, but that aside, he still did some questionable things. Yeah, and I think like it's something like we as an audience look at Steven and we say he had no choice. Like he was put in a situation he he really did like an uh, like a a respectable amount to try and stop the situation from happening and it happened anyway because just like it was kind of with out of his power to really fix but to steven he feels like it's his fault like he like Mm -hmm. the the situation itself was so traumatic that he feels like it is his fault that they happened and he could have done something and he could have fixed it but like you look at it and you're like man this is really like out of your control like you couldn't have predicted how it was going to turn out like you really did you really had natural reactions to what was going on like business was going to kill you and like and then ruby was going to kill you and um and well, and, and Jasper like corrupted herself. Like it was completely her own fault that she got corrupted. Like she didn't know, but like diffused mm-hmm. with a corrupted monster because blah blah blah. Like all that, and yeah. um, and, and it's not Stephen's fault. It's not Stephen's fault that the situation turned out how it did. Like he really did all he could to fix it, and it just yeah. didn't work out. But to him, he feels like it's his fault. He feels like he is absolutely because mm-hmm. it was just a really traumatic thing to happen to him. Mm-hmm. From from the from the eyes of just an avid viewer, from an outside perspective, uh, one could say that the cards just didn't stack in his favor. But yeah. from Steven's perspective, he was there. It, they were his hands that dealt certain blows. It was his. They were his decisions that led to a lot of what happened. And he was there. He was responsible for it. And more so, I feel like he thinks. That if he knew then what he knows now, something might have changed. He could have changed something. Something could have been different. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the mind of a grief-stricken person who wishes they could change something. Who is present and responsible for something. Yeah, they don't want the feelings to be there, so they wish the trauma had never happened, and they just think about how they could have prevented it. Mm -hmm. Steven, definitely not a fatalist. Yeah. (laughs) I... I love that in the final scene, the message isn't, it's okay to do bad things. 
the message, which which it could have <laughs> told. Remember, kids, being bad is okay. I mean, well, you could make an argument that a lot of mediums do choose to make that decision based on yeah. who the people are. Like, it's but the message wasn't it's okay to do bad things if you're a good person. The message was it's okay to talk about, think about, and try to move on from the mistakes you've made. Yeah, and which, it's like. Oh, which touched me emotionally in so many places. All the places. Remember, kids, if they wear a diamond, they're okay for dying. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and I think, like, <sighs> imagine, like, I, I imagine Rose did deal with a lot of these butterflies herself. Like, she shattered this diamond. She had no choice. Well, like, she might have had a choice, but it was, like, the best route to go for. And, like, a lot of people would be like, yeah, it was a bad thing to do. Yeah, it didn't make you look all that great. And Rose herself wouldn't have felt that great doing it, but it just, it kind of had to be done. And I think it was something that Garnet said, like, Rose didn't always do what was best for herself, but she did what was best for Earth. And it's like, mm-hmm. yep. she must have felt like crap after shattering yeah. that diamond, and that was not a very good action for her to do for herself. It was very much against her moral ideals, and she did it anyway because... Well, Rose does th- Rose does think she's a bad person. We knew that, yeah. and we need to talk. Yeah. That's so sad. I, I have something I have something to bring up that... Alright, so what we saw was a relationship between... Uh, relationship in a general sense of the word um, between Connie and Stephen suffering because each of them individually was suffering. Can yeah. you imagine how Greg must have felt... With with Rose, what do you um, mean? Of ima- imagine this, but with such uh, imagine this, but a much much larger scale of like Greg, Stephen, yeah, like Greg having to deal with the fact that Rose sees herself as a monster. As a monster, I don't think she showed that side of herself to him very early. Yeah, I of think course like not it early wasn't... on. Of course not early on. I don't think it was kind of like an active conflict for Rose. It was just sort of like a dull acceptance that she's had for centuries. And Greg just, it's one of those things where it's like you talk to someone who has such low self-esteem that they don't even know that their self-esteem is low. Like, it, it, yeah. like of course they hate themselves. Like, how could they not hate themselves? Like, it's not a battle they have in their mind. Like, they've already lost. And yeah. so. But I, but imagine being in a relationship with a per, with, with that, with, with a person who has those kinds of vast, low view of herself. I, yeah. I guess I I guess what I'm trying you know that is what? I mean I'm just thinking of Greg when he's explaining what gems are to Steven in the return. He's saying that they don't want him to see them like aliens who invaded Earth. All they ever try to do is make up for it. But Rose is probably the only one he talked to about that. So he's basing how they feel off of how Rose told him she felt. Yeah, like he's kind of generalizing his idea of the gems. But also, like, we see Pearl in um the one, I think it was, like, Howard Gems made, like, really trying to apologize for <laughs> what was going on. Yes. And you do kind of feel like this isn't exactly um just Rose's feeling, but Rose is definitely the one who feels it the most intensely. Because she was the mm-hmm. leader in, like, all of this baggage of the rebellion is on her. But... You know, Pearl definitely would not have been sharing her feelings with Greg. It it was probably all Rose yeah, who got that I can vibe see that. from. I guess, I guess really what I was trying to get at with uh, Rose and Greg is, like, the general thought of 
not being able to love someone else if you don't love yourself. Which, I, that's 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 even more like food for thought than an actual statement, but... Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we've been going on for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Any I'm... last words you want to get in? I have one more thing. Uh-huh. Um, I forgot to kind of mention how, like, I really liked in this episode how the like the uh, uh the most important like emotional support in your life for in this case Steven and Connie or um Ruby and Sapphire like the people who support you when you have issues are not the solution to your problems like they should not be responsible for your problems like Connie was never thought to be the solution to Steven for feeling bad but she definitely did help him find like a way by himself like, it, I think I really liked how it wasn't, you know, when you feel bad, just go to other people and talk about it. You'll immediately feel better because, like, that's not really always the case. And it's a lot of pressure to put on someone to feel like they need to make your problems go away. And I did yeah. like how it was like that in the episode. I like I like how Steven Universe uh, puts both sides of dealing with a conflict or dealing with an issue uh, center stage. Yeah, it was you like dealing that. with someone else who has a problem, and you dealing with a problem, and someone else is trying to help you, like that. Yeah, it duality. Ugh. They better get the Emmy. That's all I'm saying. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they oh better get the gosh darn Emmy. Ugh. I will. They I will. Th- for it. I will throw a fit. <laughs> I will honestly throw a fit. Ugh. But yeah, this this episode uh, has become. I'm sorry, Garnet's universe, but. This episode has worked its way to my favorite episode. Yeah, absolutely. And oh goodness. And it's not Good even crap. a not even in the top ten. Uh, oh, GC, you get out of here! Probably not even in the top half. Oh my god, GC! It's, it's maybe the top two thirds, maybe. It's a different different perspectives, different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well. Goodness, we... Well, you know, I, I gotta be the wet blanket sometimes, right? I'm usually head cheerleader. <laughs> well, we have been I recording can, for I can an see hour. That. We have been recording for an hour. Let's let's all wind it back. Okay. Ugh. Well, guys, uh, come back next week. We'll be talking about future boy Zoltron. That looks like a fun little episode. <laughs> no butterflies at all. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Sophia. And I'm Hunter. Uh, have, a, have a wonderful day, kiddos, and uh, tell the person you love most that you love them. Just remind them that. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I hope you guys are doing good. Mm-hmm. Later! Leave us a review on iTunes. Oh yeah, and that too. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.